Welcome to the Dry Bones Ministries podcast, where we strive to provide great preaching and teaching so that listeners will discover or rediscover the goodness, truth, and beauty of our Catholic faith. If you are interested in supporting the work we are doing, visit us at drybonespgh.org or follow us on social media at drybonespgh. Thanks for joining us. We hope that you are inspired, uplifted, and encouraged. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Dry Bones Ministries special podcast series on the Litany of Trust. My name is Father Adam Potter, and today we have made it to day 21, where we pray this really powerful petition that you will not leave me orphan, that you are present in your church. Jesus, I trust in you. There have been a lot of challenging petitions up to this point, uh, many that I felt maybe unprepared for or unqualified for, and this is one that I, I stand before you, and yeah, I just feel really um, unlike others, particularly uh, daunted by. This is a real difficult mystery that we're about to dive into when we come to the mystery of Jesus Christ being the head of his body, the church, and how uh, those who are united to him in baptism are united to him through his church and these sacraments in this tangible way that we can have access to grace through his church that he established through Peter and his apostles and their successors. And to struggle with just how the his body, the church, that is perfect um, in him, pure and unblemished, also has in the way that it is entrusted to um, to his followers. It also has a lot of brokenness, too, and a lot of sinfulness and scandal. And so I want to dive into this mystery with you, into appreciating that his church is this spotless, mystical bride, and he the bridegroom, and at the same time is entrusted to us, fallen humans. So maybe to start off, it was Fulton Sheen who said that there are not 100 people in the United States who hate the Catholic Church, but there are millions who hate what they wrongly perceive the Catholic Church to be. I don't know if you ever heard that before, but I love that, and I couldn't um, agree with that more in really thinking the misunderstanding of who the Church is, and that we might think that the, the Catholic Church is the Pope, or is this Bishop, or is this priest, or is this person that I see is like wearing their medals and like, oh, yep, that's that's the church, and I can't stand it because of this hypocrisy, or this lie, or this judgmentalism, whatever it is. It's like, mm, we're, we're missing the church. We're missing who the church is. I wanted to bring you to a, a beautiful quote, and uh, to invite you into kind of appreciating uh, who the church is, what the church is, and who you and I are. This is one of my favorite quotes from St. John Eudes, a really powerful French priest, lived in the 17, 1800s, I believe. He says this, just invite you to, to prayerfully receive this meditation. He says, I ask you to consider that our Lord Jesus Christ is your true head, and that you are a member of his body, 
He belongs to you as the head belongs to the body. All that is his is yours. Breath, heart, body, soul, and all his qualities. All of these you must use as if they belonged to you, so that in serving him you may give him praise, love, and glory. You belong to him as a member belongs to the head. This is why he earnestly desires you serve and glorify the Father by using all our faculties as if they were his. He belongs to you. But more than that, he longs to be in you, living and ruling in you as the head lives and rules in the body. He desires that whatever is in him may live and rule in you, his breath in your breath, his heart in your heart, all the faculties of his soul and the faculties of your soul, so that these words may be fulfilled in you. Glorify God and bear him in your body, so that the life of Jesus may be made manifest in you. He'll go on, but um, I think that gives you a, a pretty good taste of how St. John Hughes, who's just this really impressive um, spiritual father, came to see this relationship of how in the, the church, you know, you and I become united with him, he and us and us and him, and to really imagine all the ways that Jesus desires us um, to be united to him. But then that vice versa the, that really strikes me, even just uh, today as I put together this recording, right? That he wants to be in us. He wants us to have his mind and his heart and his breath and the faculties of his soul so that we can carry him out to the world. And this is just such a grave responsibility and task and opportunity and how far uh, we fall but to appreciate the height that, that we're that we're really called to, and really the the glory of this church. Um, so, so this is it. This is what we're called to, and this is how far we fall. And this can be really difficult to grasp the the difficulty, the sinfulness, the scandals. Um, I found this quote that I really appreciate from Dr. Scott Hahn, a contemporary scripture scholar, apologist. He says. Do not be downhearted because of the scandals in the church. Jesus himself warned that the scandals would come and that the wicked would be judged and punished. We should rest in his promise. We should rest in his one true church, even if within the church we find much unrest. End quote. So there's a lot to, to point to, but that's a great departure for just going to the source, Right? That even Jesus, as he is true God and true man, handpicked his own disciples to be the, the ones that he would invest in the most and to give this real call to be his body, to be his hands, to be his feet, to be his voice to the whole world. Even Jesus welcomed Judas, picked Judas asked him to be his representative, you know? Um, and, and nothing that I say, this is where I feel really, uh, I don't know, kind of daunted by this task of talking about it. Nothing that I'm 
saying is to justify the real trauma and hurt and uh, scandal that has occurred in our our church's almost 2,000-year history. Uh, It's not to justify it, but it is to point to this reality that we're fallen, we're fallen, but God still chooses us and asks us to cooperate with him. And in as much as we can cooperate, we can build up the kingdom of God in these incredible ways. And in as much as we do not cooperate and choose our own will, our own selfish, egotistical plan, we can scandalize. That word literally means to cause others to fall, to sin. And this can be really hard, right? Sometimes we can say, well, God, if this is really your church, if you are really all powerful, all good, and all loving, why don't you do something? And Jesus himself gives us a real insight into this. In Matthew chapter 13, he gives us the parable of the weeds and the wheat. Do you remember this? It's one of the parables for the kingdom of heaven compared to a man who sows good seed in his field. And while he's sleeping, this enemy comes and he sows bad seed, um, these weeds amongst it. And he says to them that he, the, the master of this harvest will wait until the harvest comes. He will not just go right in and pull up the weeds so that the, the wheat can grow. Because if he just goes in and pulls the weeds, there's a chance that he will also root out the wheat as well. So, he says, let them both grow together until the harvest. And then at the harvest time, he will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first, bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. This should be both uh, consoling and maybe still frustrating (laughs) that, you know, Jesus himself says, I'm not just going to come in and immediately punish the wicked. I'm going to allow them to grow with the righteous. And this is actually, in a, in a way, for the righteous to be purified, that they can grow to full maturation and and not be uprooted prematurely. They can have the full time to be able to grow into the saints they're called to be. There's also an insight that we find in our first pope, St. Peter, who talks about this is also for the weeds too, Right? that the weeds would have a greater opportunity to be converted themselves. St. Peter says it like this in his second letter, chapter 3, verse 15. I'll start at 14. Therefore, beloved, since you wait for these, talking about the coming of the day of of the Lord, um, the the end time, this promise of the new heavens and the new earth, you're, you're waiting for this day, Be zealous to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the forbearance of our Lord as salvation. That's 315, 2 Peter 315. Count the forbearance, right? That that word has everything to do with the the delay of the Lord, his patience, his uh, delay in coming, so to speak, right? His forbearance is to not come in and to utter judgment and punishment on the wicked. Count this as the Lord's plan for salvation, right? That he's actually being patient so that more souls can come to be saved. So this is the mind of God that's really helpful for us to know whenever we look around at our world and around in our church. 
and to see all the different sins on full display. Um, as it's been said before, that the church is not a museum of saints, it's a hospital for sinners. It's like, yep, um, we're, we're all here, and we're all broken, and we're all looking for salvation and healing uh, and mercy. And so, yeah, if, you're, if you two are broken, like that you can find a, a home in this church is ultimately the invitation but how hard it how hard it can be so i need to pray that you will not leave me orphan that you are present in your church in these last several years we've seen a lot of scandal come out in the church and come out in the press and it's hard it's as if it um doesn't seem to stop just 4 years ago now in 2018 there was a a great revelation of different inner workings of the hierarchy that really gave insight into different financial impropriety and then sexual corruption and um, malfeasance, everything else, and how everything was like able to be seen of different connections and ways that this was even being um, protected. And, and this just caused a great heart, harm for many people to come to to learn about this and and make these different connections. So I don't know about you, but it's just a good question. What do do we do whenever we're confronted with the scandal? When we're confronted with the, when we're talking about growing in trust, to really desire to trust in the Lord when when I've been let down, when I've been disappointed, when I've been directly hurt and even scandalized myself, right? That I might be able to say, I've been scandalized. Those people who I looked up to best imitate Christ and bring me God and be an example, let me down and lived contrary to the teaching. What do we do? One of the lines that I remember was going around at that time that was helpful for me was, to not leave Jesus for Judas, right? Don't leave Jesus. Don't leave his church that is his body. We, as St. Paul will say, we are the members of his body. So don't leave Jesus, his church, for Judas, the one who directly betrays Jesus, who directly, um, yeah, goes against him and um, brings about his, his demise. And that's hard, right? I don't know. Like that, that might make sense biblically, but when it comes to, but I saw this thing happen, or I know about this situation, and that's where we're called to real faith, and to make these acts of trust. Jesus Himself established His church on Peter in this great confession of faith, and there's so much that we can gain from entering into Matthew chapter 16. This incredible promise that Jesus gives to Peter that you, Peter, are the rock. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we know that uh, hell has been on full attack coming to, coming to take down the church. And uh, so that should be a consolation, right? That, that we would see the attack of the evil one against the church to try and bring her down. And maybe even, I've, 
I know as a convert myself, looking at the church, looking at other churches, one of the arguments that was, you know, kind of proposed to me is, you know, don't look for the church that has no scandal, right? This like perfect institution. Uh, Consider one like the Catholic Church that has been around from the very beginning and despite man's greatest efforts to bring her down, right, she's still here. And to consider there's no human, no other human institution that's still around that could last that long, right? Just by necessity, there will be sinfulness, uh, pride, envy, jealousy, greed that goes to bring down merely human institutions, Ah, but there's a Catholic church that's still around despite all the scandal. That's a really good sign that it's not merely human, but it's also divine as well. And so here, right after Jesus makes this great promise to Peter, it's at this that Peter rejects the cross. And he says, God forbid, Lord, that you should undergo this suffering and death. And Jesus puts Peter right in his place. Get behind me, Satan, right? That part of you that is not fully given over to me, right? Satanas, um, devil, right? Literally means one who divides, right? So one who is divided. That Peter has a divided heart still. He's been given this promise and yet has not fully given himself over to Jesus Christ and his will and his mission. And so... Jesus does not say, oh, give me those keys back. You're no longer the Pope. You're no longer the rock. No, he is still Peter. This is really important for us, right? He still has this office, even though he's directly, explicitly, publicly rejected this will, this mission of Jesus Christ. You're still the rock, so get behind me, right? Get your whole life back in line with me so that you can follow me and you can truly be my disciple And now you can learn to lead others to me, to the cross, so they can rise with me as well. Beautiful, right? We need to take that to to heart, that, that, that Jesus would use his church and those leaders, even in their imperfections, to bring about the workings of his heart for mercy, redemption, healing, salvation, through the sacraments, especially through baptism and the Eucharist and confession. The church, says Saint, uh, Sister Faustina at the bottom of 135, as his body is the place where the sharing of his divine life is ensured through the sacraments, the continual giving and reception of his flesh for the life of the world. A great thing to pray with, as I'm just sure um, I would imagine there's no one listening to uh, this episode that hasn't come across a different um, scandal or or difficulty. I know, um, yeah, for myself, I've been scandalized in my own ways and had to really struggle with coming to grips with what the Lord was doing and how he was allowing it and overlooking it. And and these different gospel passages of the weeds and the wheat and and others, uh, like even Peter being corrected, they have given me consolation just to remember who Jesus is and his ultimate plan for the salvation of the whole world. That on the cross, we really get the, the, um, the paradigm 
that he's willing to undergo great suffering and to allow suffering even to be prolonged such that a greater good can come from it. So where's the Lord inviting us to pray this petition with great faith, with great trust, and really believing that he is the head of his body, the church, and he is present, that he has not left us, that he has not abandoned us. And it's actually through the imperfections of his church, for his min- through his ministers, and through his lay faithful, that there can actually be a more glorious manifestation of his merciful love. Spend some time with that in prayer and bringing that scandal or that struggle before the Lord and asking for, for real healing. There's some really good invitations that she gives us at the end of this chapter. Um, that second one I just think is really, really important. Do I pray for the church? Do I pray for the Holy Father, cardinals, bishops, priests, and religion, religious for my own parish? I would add this. Do I fast for the church? Do I do penance for the church? I think now is a time of reparation in a real way that understanding the spiritual significance of uniting ourselves to Jesus Christ, that that we might really be able to atone for the sins of past leaders, past faithful who have led others astray. We can do this rightly as understanding who Jesus Christ is and how he wants to use us as his body, as St. John Eudes invites us to, that he wants to be in us, have access to our hearts through his heart uh, and to give us his mind and his breath and all the faculties of his soul to bring about the redemption here on earth. So a lot to pray with. Let's head to our litany though and ask for this grace, especially on on this day, praying for our our church and praying for the healing of those who have been hurt by Holy Mother Church. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The Litany of Trust. From the belief that I have to earn your love, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that I am unlovable, deliver me, Jesus. From the false security that I have what it takes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that trusting you will leave me more destitute, deliver me, Jesus. From all suspicion of your words and promises, deliver me, Jesus. From the rebellion against childlike dependency on you, deliver me, Jesus. From refusals and reluctances in accepting your will, deliver me, Jesus. From anxiety about the future, deliver me, Jesus. From resentment or excessive preoccupation with the past, deliver me, Jesus. From restless self-seeking in the present moment, deliver me, Jesus. From disbelief in your love and presence, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being asked to give more than I have, deliver me, Jesus. From the belief that my life has no meaning or worth, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of what love demands, deliver me, Jesus. From discouragement, deliver me, Jesus. That you are continually holding me, sustaining me, loving me. Jesus, I trust in you. That your love goes deeper than my sins and failings and transforms me. Jesus, I trust in you. That not knowing what tomorrow brings is an invitation to lean on you. Jesus, I trust in you. That you are with me in my suffering. Jesus, I trust in you. That my suffering united to your own will bear fruit in this life and the next. Jesus, I trust in you. That you will not leave me orphan. That you are present in your church. Jesus, I trust in you.
that your plan is better than anything else. Jesus, I trust in you. That you always hear me and in your goodness always respond to me. Jesus, I trust in you. That you give me the grace to accept forgiveness and to forgive others. Jesus, I trust in you. That you give me all the strength I need for what is asked. Jesus, I trust in you. That my life is a gift. Jesus, I trust in you. That you will teach me to trust you. Jesus, I trust in you. That you are my Lord and my God. Jesus, I trust in you. That I am your beloved one. Jesus, I trust in you. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode. To learn more about Drybones Ministries, events, and initiatives, and to support this podcast, go to drybonespgh.org. Thanks, and God bless you.